I'm James Zug, and this is Outside the Glass. It's December, which means the college squash season has begun again here in the U.S. Today, we're talking to Wendy Bartlett, the women's squash coach at Trinity College. I've known Wendy for a long time. In the seven years, I was working on my book with Paul Asiante, the men's coach at Trinity College, Render the Roar, Coaching to Overcome Fear. I would often stop uh, next door and, and chat with Wendy, and, and um, she, uh, she, like Paul, has been uh, around the game for a long time. She's uh, in her 33rd season as the coach at Trinity, which makes her the uh, most senior coach uh, of women's squash in America, and uh, her teams have won three national titles. Uh, she's coached um, 36 different women uh, to become All-Americans uh, in her 32 previous seasons. She's got a record of 375 wins, 103 losses, uh, so a pretty remarkable career statistically, and she has a, a, a great insight into the state of women's squash uh, back in uh, the early 1980s, uh, in the 1970s, when she came into the game and uh, when she started coaching, as well as uh, the state of the game today and where it's going. Well, I grew up as a tennis player out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I went down to Rollins College and played tennis, and then I came back to Pittsburgh. Where did you play in Pittsburgh? What, what club or what Mount club? Lebanon. The, oh. Mount Lebanon has a spectacular tennis facility. So I played there. Did your parents play? It was like a oh yeah, it was big the tennis family, the whole works. You yeah. know, we lived uh, like a two minute walk up from the court, so we just spent our lives there. Uh, but my father was a squash player, and back in the day, as you know, it was hardball squash. Yeah. Where, no, did, where did he play? PAA, and um, I do remember watching him play. There was no women back then at all playing right. in Pittsburgh. And well, Goldie said Goldie stories was. about how she was the only woman, yes. and she had to like. You know, sneak into the university right. or these different places. And it's true. She did. She was, you know. And I, I remember when my father was talking, and the other guys, too, about playing Goldie. It was just so, well, there's this one woman, Goldie. <laughs> and um, I thought, well, it's such a uh, masculine sport. I mean, and back then, it was all, well, the hardball, just it was all big clunky rackets and hardballs and um, it didn't seem particularly enticing. And uh, so then I, I moved back to Pittsburgh and I... Um, what year did you graduate? 76. And was it, what, what was the Rollins tennis team like in the early mid-70s? <laughs> well, it was very interesting because Title IX had just been passed. Exactly. So and it was a very transitional four years right. because up until then, women were, even though they were good, were very, very secondary. Yeah. And, you know, there was one coach, and that was for the men, and the women just kind Fend of for themselves. fended for themselves, which wasn't great for me at that point in my life. I mean, I really needed somebody tell me to get on the court and do this and do that so um which is why i think it motivated me to become the coach because i just you knew what i lacked at rollins i said is not is not right for women you know and if i had had a good coach there it would have um it would have definitely been my um how did you coach as a uh uh, for tactical 
technical reasons as a player or more for like emotional Everything. mentoring? Just mentoring, role model, right. yeah. you know, you've got to be here at four, you know, that kind of thing, instead of just sort of, ta sort of tagging along with the boys. And we're, we were an afterthought. The women were an afterthought. And now, of course, things have changed dramatically. Right. But, but, but uh, were they, was it all, all uh, American women on the team? Oh, yeah. Right. No regrets. No. Yeah. No, they were just, but because of Title IX had just been passed, they were just allowing their Division Two in tennis, so they were allowing um, scholarships. They just they got their first scholarship player, and uh, so yeah. I remember that was sort of a big thing. But still, the tennis was very very unorganized, and the men's coach Norm Norm Copeland just sort of it, we were an afterthought. We were an afterthought. So that I kind of drifted away from that for a while, and then I got back to Pittsburgh, and I became uh, the director of racket sports at Fox Chapel Golf Club. Mm -hmm. And so I was teaching tennis out there and paddle, and um, then my father said, you know, um, at that point, I think they switched to the 70-plus ball, mm -hmm. and he said, you know, why don't you come down to the PAA, and there's a lot of... Um, or a growing number of young single people playing squash down there. You mean like, I, you could get a boyfriend? Is this like a dating? A Maybe dating he was, he was thinking that way, or let's get some friends for Wendy, you know? <laughs> and um, actually, uh, it was, I, so I went down there, you know, and I uh, hit around with him, and then... How many courts were there, like? Three or four? Yeah, and they weren't regulation size. Oh, they were really But, but they had really good du good doubles court. Right. And um, they weren't regular. There was something wrong. There was, they were too small. They were too short. Yeah, they were squashed down squats around. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but anyway, uh, God, God bless her. Sue Baisley took me under her wing. She was a very vivacious, charismatic person and just took me under her wing and um that that was sort of the beginning of my whole squash and mm -hmm. and uh i started playing doubles and singles and she kind of taught me you know what to do out there and um the other guys at the paa even even the older my father's friends were very helpful they really were they said come on in the court wendy we'll teach you you know all this kind of stuff so that that was the beginning and i loved it and i had a great time I really had a great time. And Pittsburgh was really, there were a lot of single people there playing squash yeah. at that point. So we traveled all around, we had leagues and that sort Pittsburgh of thing. Pittsburgh Golf Club. Pittsburgh what, Golf what Club. Uh, there was a JCC University right. Club. Duquesne. Um, they, and then um, a couple of public clubs were built. Um, right. So it was a real big scene. It was a big scene. Late 70s. Yeah, yeah it was a really, really big scene. And, and then the P, I got very actively involved with the PSRA, Pittsburgh Squash Association. Yeah. And um, then that's actually how I met my husband, because he, he had started playing squash and was working at WJ. And so he came up to play some league matches. And we were in a PSAR meeting. And afterwards, it's, it's so coincidental, he, because of my hair, he asked me if I were Goldie, if I was Goldie Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah. But I, that image, gold, see, see, that's what I'm saying. With Goldie, that was the only one. assumed, right. That, and so here's his with blonde hair. hair. That's Plus Goldie Edwards. They didn't know the New Zealand thing. Yeah. So we started playing. So you met, you met at, a, at a PSRA meeting. Yeah, at the PAA. And so we started playing. And here I am today. Mm -hmm.
That's funny. Yeah. How long have you been married? We got married in 83. Um, Me? Yeah, and then we moved up to West Hartford. And yeah, so then uh, you left Pittsburgh. What, what were, you, were you still at Fox Chapel? Uh, still at Fox Chapel, and uh, it was a great, wonderful yeah. place. It was great. And then I, um, we moved up here, and I was sort of, um, you know, trying to find my way. I, I was still very involved with tennis. There wasn't really much squash up in Hartford at that point. It was just the uh, golf club. The golf club, right. Yeah. So I, I sort of went back into playing more tennis, and yeah. I, met, I met the tennis coach at Trinity, yeah. tennis and squash coach Becky Chase. Do you know her yeah, from Williams? She was at Williams? Yeah. She related to the Chase mm -hmm. tennis family? Yeah, that was her father. So she was coaching tennis and squash at Trinity, mm -hmm. and we started playing a lot together that summer. And then on August 28th, she got the head coaching position at Yale for tennis. And uh, the team was going back the 29th. What year is this? 83. Now, you moved to uh, Hartford. You moved to Hartford in 83. Yeah, 84. Okay. So then what happened? Everybody panicked. Yep, and uh, she told me, Wendy, you've got to take the job. <laughs> you know, it only could happen back then. And, right, exactly. And she literally, I remember, she brought me up to her office at midnight. She packed her stuff, packed her stuff, handed me the key, and then the AD called me the next day and said, well, we'll try you for a year. I've been there ever since. We'll try you for a year. Yeah. Thirty. Uh, yeah. Thirty-three years later. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you had the key. You're like, well, I'm. Yeah. <laughs> and that that it was it was incredible. Wow. Couldn't happen nowadays. Like no. That. Just. For a hundred reasons. Yeah. So, uh, what was the state of women's squash? Did so you were doing tennis and squash? Mm -hmm. You're not doing that now, right? No. Uh, a year out. I'm just, it's only been a year since I've stopped tennis, and Paul too. You, oh, you guys stopped at the same time? Yeah. Only one year? Yeah. You did it for 31 yeah, seasons? Way too long, yeah, yeah. Tennis is so massive now, it's spring, all year it's round. fall, yeah, it's, it's all year round. They, wow. well, again, don't, don't put, uh, no. uh, right. 10 years ago, Trini should have got, hired a full-time men's and women's tennis coach. Right. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, you, and you, I mean, you guys work. You but the both. squash is so big. Yeah, right. And doing both is insane. Right. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy. Were you guys the, the only people in the mm -hmm. NASCAGs who mm -hmm. did that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> the only so people you, in you... the world. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what was the state, I mean, I'm interested in the tennis, mm -hmm. but what was the state of, like, women's squash at Trinity in 1984? It was actually good. Yeah. We were actually number two. Um, so you mean the year before you arrived, the team finished two? Yes. Um, and so I was like, wow. I had I had no really background in coaching squash. You, I d tons of experience in tennis. Tennis, exactly. But not oh, not right. squash. Uh, you know, I was just a, a recreational player. And um, the thing is, so I walked in, and they were all field hockey, squash, lacrosse players. Field hockey, tennis. No, back oh. then it was field hockey, squash, lacrosse. They did all three sports? They did all three sports. Wow. I w so I walked in, it was hardball, um, and I just had to really then plunge into squash. And I went down, I visited Bob Callahan, and he spent a couple days with me, you know, just coaching. So yeah. what did he say? 
Oh, that yeah. He was he was always so calm. He was so patient, you know. And so he was just you know talking about the whole the whole team thing, and you know sort of how to start off the season with the working on drives and then progressing and so forth and so on. And uh, so that really. That gave me a Some lot confidence. more confidence. Yeah, yeah. And was it like uh, different drills you can do? To yeah, different drills, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the men at that point on the team were very helpful. Bill Doyle was a senior at that point, right? And he was very, very helpful. And those guys were, you know, they would play with the. We had some good players on that team. And uh, so my first year, we almost beat Princeton, but then and Betty Constable was there. And she didn't like that too much. And, <laughs> she didn't like and, to lose. And uh, no, 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 no. So um, then um, we were we were doing really well. And then of course, uh, and then um, things changed. With um, well, I think what happened first is that the colleges and universities started getting a lot more um, competitive with the squash. They're putting more energy into mm -hmm. it. So, right. whereas we would always get, Trinity was more of a first choice school right. because they couldn't get into the Ivies, right. you know. Right. So, but then all of a sudden the Ivies started opening up their emissions. Right. And then when these schools all started building the softball courts, right. the international courts, right. then they had so much money invested into it, they really pushed, it. pushed, pushed. Where pushed. were you on the on the switch to softball and that whole transition? Oh, the women were always first. Yeah. Did you? Did you? When did you? See it, or how did you? When we were playing softball in the heart, I loved the softball. You know, I never was a huge hardball. F I yeah. mean. You know, so it was sort of fun. But and you saw softball right away. Oh yeah, yeah, that that's it. it this makes sense. Yes. Because yeah. the women switched a year before the men. Yeah. Collegially, and there was a lot of sturm and drang about doing it. A lot of people getting upset. Oh, but yeah. within the women, was it pretty? We were definitely all softball, and no, we, nobody we, was we, fighting to nope, nope, the hardball. Nope. And we even were willing to play on the hardball courts. Right. Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. And the men, I think, came around a couple of years later. Yeah. I think even the men's boarding schools, the private schools. They went first. They went before first. The, yeah. Before the men college. Right. So, so it was great. Yeah. And then, and then everyone started building this um, international courts, right. and so then there was a lot more pressure, um, and so the, the, the missions yeah. started opening up their. Uh, uh, different universities, they started yeah. opening up their missions more. So when did you first get an international student? Did you have international students in the 80s coming to play squash? No. No, they were Who all... Who was your first? Well, you, you know Jerry Hansen. Yeah. Jerry Hansen just, I mean, he was so terrific. And he, a lot of our best players were from the Philadelphia area. You know? Yeah. He had that connection and right. he, he Love Trinity and he loves squash and so did Doe Bell like what what was happening in like ninety six, ninety seven? Well Dobell came and, right. and so he was a huge so little game changer. Did he say to you like let's start recruiting International kids. Well, uh, what hap happened? You know, the, Paul went up right. to him, and but uh, at Do Dobell wanted to market Trinity internationally, right. and so he um, it was just like the perfect storm. He wanted to market Trinity internationally. What better? He he was thinking about crew and squash yeah. to do that because those easy ways to do it. Right, and and um, then Paul, so Paul went up to him and said, you know. 
I can, I can I, do that. Yeah, um, versus Guy Marcus Kelly, right. who was uh, I think a finalist in the he was, yeah. yeah in the World Juniors. Right, and um, Harvard's not going to let him in, but he'll come to Trinity. So he came in September. Right. And so as soon as he came, I said, "Do you think are there any girls over in England that would be interested?" And he said, "Gail Davy." So she came in January. No way, that fast. Yeah, fast. Yeah. So what was she like? Oh. Great. Oh, she was just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. She was fantastic. She was fantastic. Changed everything. Really? Yeah. How so? Because she was just a squash player. Right. And the, uh, all the other girls on the team were very, they were still sort of remnants of the field hockey, mm. you know, played, maybe tennis. Didn't start playing in November. Right, right. March. Right. And she played all year round. All, all year round. Right. And the British accent and everything, and of course Marcus being there, he was so flamboyant. And uh, so that, that just changed everything. She stayed all four years? She stayed all four years, all and, and then we got uh, more and more English kids from Her that, group, and right. Evan just loved it. Evan just loved it. He really did. He was just, I mean, he thought this was the greatest thing in the world. Mm. And so we got more of the English players, and then um, then um, a Zimbabwe um, school group was coming through, and they fell in love with Trinity. And so we got a lot of that started the whole Zimbabwe connection. So that but first, now you've had women from how many countries? Fifteen oh countries. Yeah, that's countries, a good question. Right? Yeah. A ton of countries. Yeah. Name some of the countries. Wow. Uh, South South Africa was next. You know, and then India, Sri Lanka, Egypt, El Salvador, Colombia, Argentina, um, Canada, Mexico, France. Yes, we say more in Europe, right? Yeah, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Wales, England, Scotland. So who do you have coming in this fall? Who, who's just joined the team? Well, we've added more countries. So uh, Keisha, Rary from Australia who's one of the top junior players in the world, and then uh, Vanessa Raj from Malaysia, and then Selma Ahmed el from Egypt. So Paul always would say that getting these incredible players from all these countries you've named, the culture shock of coming to the States, and the team aspect, a lot of these kids have never played on a team, so you... Tell me about, a little bit about that, sort of the pitfalls or like what you've had to do to kind of get them to, you know, buy into the team part of oh, Trinity Squad. That's been absolutely the biggest challenge. Right. And still is. That is the biggest challenge. Because they come uh, from countries where they're, if they're not the number one player, they're a they're, top player. Right. National champions, big right. shots. And also, the, these, um, they're not like American girls where they've grown up team sports, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. right away in the United States. Thank goodness. Soccer. Uh, soccer, t-ball, yeah. lacrosse, you know, uh, you know, parents driving these girls all over, swimming, whatever, driving them all over the place. And so they've just played squash, and it's been a very individual aspect of their lives with their pros in, you know, they'll go to tournaments, maybe some team stuff, but it's only for a week. So um, that, that is the biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. That, and in the very beginning, just getting, having uh, the parents trust me to send their daughters halfway across the world. Right. Because it's e- boys are easier. Totally They'll just roll up their sleeping bags and come. But the girls, I mean, that, that, was, that was, I really had to spend a lot of time on the phone, um, and I still do, to talking to the parents, and getting them to trust me yeah. and trust Trinity. Right. 
It is. It's gotten easier, but in those early, that late '90s, early 2000s, it was really it was it was a challenge. How many national team championships has, has Trinity won? The women's has won three. Three, and some of those you barely won, and sometimes you've barely lost, right? Uh, Five, four matches in the finals. Yeah, we, we we've been in the finals a lot. How many times <laughs> have you been in the finals? Yeah, see, I I I, um, I'll have, I would have to go back. And look but that like up. six or seven. Oh, a lot. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you barely won. Right. And then sometimes like five four yeah. win and then five yeah. four lost. The, the days of like that 2002 when we won nine zero will never happen again. Yeah. Everybody's got incredible players and incredible depth. You're right. They really do. You don't have like a converted tennis player playing number seven who's only played for a year. Oh, yeah. But the, a great athlete. The number, um, some of the uh, coaches that have been around um, for a while, we're just always like shocked at the number nines now. The number nines are really good. Yeah. And when we used to put the number nines out there, it was like holding our breath, you know? <laughs> you know? It was, oh, God. <laughs> but they're good now. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. They're really yeah. good. Was there pushback uh, among the American parents? Yeah, in the beginning. Saying like, you know, your my kid's spot is being taken by yep. some yep. England. Oh yeah, and in fact, one woman, um, she her whose son played at Williams, you know, what she wanted. She didn't think that those international kids should be made all American because they weren't from the United States. And she was serious. Tell me about your best win as a coach. Oh, I think it was in, uh, definitely 2014. Which when, was when uh, you beat Harvard 5-4? Be, yeah. What happened in that match? Um, because it was, um, they had beaten us in the season. 5-4 uh, or 6-3? Oh, I think it was like 6-3, yeah. yeah. It was such an incredible, that you, you know, you try all these things as a coach and you never know what's really going to, if it's, you know that they have to be a team and they have to play together um, and sometimes it comes together and sometimes it doesn't and that year really came together it really came together and the girls just really um, were um, they had each other's backs and they really wanted to win and they weren't going to let anything get in, in the way where was that match at Princeton and did it go to four all not quite, not quite. It was it was funny too because Anna Kimberly had just come from England then, and she made it. Uh, it was uh, she got that fifth win, and there was another match still struggling. But we needed her to win. We so needed her. To win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We needed her to win. We, she had to win, and she did. <laughs> So she well, didn't know what she, you know, she's been over here all of six weeks, you know. Right. Well, I mean, that's the interesting thing about the January admitted students is like, you really have to work hard to get them to buy into the team thing and understand oh, yeah. how, you know, this is, yeah. Yeah, because they really come in January and they're and just, like, it's over. Yeah, literally two months later, the season's over. Yeah, yeah. But, but the team aspect is just so important. Mm. It really is. So how do you, like, create that? Um, I talk a lot about it. Um, there's also, you know, like little things like for our practices, they all have to wear a practice tee that says Trinity Squash on it. Every day? Yeah. Oh, they can't wear some random? Nope. From nope. And they would. They'd love to. Of course they would, it, yeah. You know. And so I have extra shirts, so if somebody forgets or it's, they didn't do their wash, here you go, Trinity Squash shirt. And they have to wear them to lifts and everything else like that. 
and then we just we talk about it all, all the time we um, have dinners dinners a lot of team bonding stuff right. um, and um, and as soon as they they begin to see like in matches where four of them have killed themselves and maybe uh, two have tried really hard but lost three two but maybe there's two others that didn't or three others that didn't quite kill themselves then then they start okay this is a team just because I win doesn't mean the team's gonna win and it really means if you can't be out there for yourself you got to do it for the team what was your worst loss oh <laughs> oh you know what I, I think that that one of them was you know what the one was in 2000 there's several but the worst was in 2004 hmm. when we should have beaten Yale and we were up is this in the finals it was the in the nationals? finals yes yes and um, the score was we knew Amina would win Amina Hillel mm -hmm. you know and she was going to go on next against Michelle and so uh, the score was um, it was three four to Yale and Lynn Leon was on against Amy Gross and we just she's always beaten Amy 3-0 always beaten her far superior and so we just assumed Lynn would win, and then Amina would go on and, and win 5-4. Uh, and um, at, Lynn was up to love. And I give Amy so much credit. She came back. Where was the match? Yeah. She was like a punching bag. And were there people screaming and cheering? And oh, yeah. The place the was going nuts. Yeah. Going nuts. And that might have helped Amy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Amy finally figured out, you know, Lynn loves to go short, and Amy figured out, okay, I've just gotta move forward and keep that ball going, keep it going back. And she did, she did that. She just kept it going back, kept it going back. So then it was 2-1, and I said, okay, you can still do this, Lynn. She's moving forward, you know, you gotta, you know, you gotta start driving back, not so many short shots. Then it was 2-all, and then once it's 2-all. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was that was really unexpected. We, we we thought we were going to win that, and we probably had the better team on paper. So then Amina goes on and um, plays Michelle, but yeah, that was just sort of a rubber match because Yale had won their five. Mm -hmm. So I've been talking to women about being a coach and how there's so few American women in the in the. Mm -hmm. And you, we figured out yesterday, is you're probably the senior. You know, statesman for for women coaches since '84. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't think anybody's coaching today that was coaching back then. Right. No. No. Gail would be probably be second. She started at Williams in '87. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why? Why is? Why do we have? Why don't we have more women coaching? Well, I think in this is true for tennis too to a degree is that so many um, schools now are combining the men's and women's programs mm -hmm. and so their first even though I, I do I really do feel there can be some very good women coaching men right. and um, you know Wendy Lawrence had yeah. you know GW's been terrific 
Nikki is showing it. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Sean Kerr. Sean, yeah. But by and large, it, um, I don't, it's not, they're going to always go for the, the big guy. The big name. Yeah. Yeah. But we got to change that, right? Like, that's not right. Like, you know, women can coach men and be better than men or as good. Right. Or what I, you know, I think would be a great idea if they started, you know, to get more women involved, mm. have women, uh, a woman as the the, the director mm. of the uh, squash program right. and then hire a, a, a really good male assistant. Right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Kind of like what the Yale model. What, right. You know, with, with Dave. Pam yeah, because Pam is a very strong coach. Right. Very, very strong. So, you know, then everything sort of balances out. Right. Seems like we're not giving women enough um, opportunities. We're not encouraging them. You know, I mean, you probably graduate three, four women a year. Seniors, right? Right. right. And so few of them stay in the game. Well, a lot right. of them are teaching, coaching at clubs. The, but the international ones especially, yes. right? Yeah, but the Americans. The Americans don't. No. And that's, like, that's wrong, you know, because the American men do. Right. Either as teaching pros, as coaches, or as somebody in the game. Right. You know, working in UCA programs, or working at U.S. squash, or something. Right. There's probably more women um, squash players in UCA programs. Yeah, don't you think? a bunch of them, right. And a couple of our directors. But, and but so I'm they not. see that, the, yeah. the women see that, and they say, they're role models. They can say, oh, well, I can get into that. But I don't think a woman graduating today as a squash player sees any opportunities. Right. They don't see any opportunities. And there are, it's, they're not being given to the women or like pushed right. on the women. That's right. Aggressively. Yeah, like, no, no, they're not. They, so like, they look at all the college scenes and they say, well, they're just going to hire, it's a men's and women's team, they're going to hire a guy. And if they do hire, it's just going to take a long, it's just going to be an uphill battle. Right. I think that that's what the sort of mentality is. Whereas when I was starting, you know, it was a woman's coach. Right. Women's coach. Like Gail. Like right. And you. Right. There aren't too many of you left who right. only coached girls. Right. Women. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Is there anybody else uh, that hasn't combined? No. And back 30, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, it was almost all of them were separate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can just see by the whole history that you you when you started there was twenty women coaches. Oh yeah, yeah. There were Betty Constables all over the place. Right. These strong, opinionated. Yeah. Patty Epps at F and M yeah. was a real mentor of mine. Right. She was terrific. She was terrific. Yeah. She did tennis and squash. Ran the whole athletic department. You know. <laughs> she was great. But there was those kinds of women you know that I could look up to when I was really much younger. Dale Walker. Dale Walker. Right. Who else? Right. Must have been a bunch of them. And Patty got me very involved like with the CSA mm. and that's how that all started. But you know, there's just there you just there's now no, it's all changed because yeah. of the combining the programs. Yeah. It's happening but it's happening in other sports too. Yeah, it's right. swimming. Yeah. Swimming and diving. Yeah. Men's and women's and they're going they always more towards Right. They give the women the diving. Right. So if if the only way I can see around it because they're not going to, I think the schools would say it's too financially burdensome to split them apart, is, again, to have um, either a woman and then a, like a guy, an associate, or vice versa, what's down right. at Yale. But you want to give opportunities so women can be the head, can be the boss, right. and manage it. Right. 
And I think they could. Absolutely. They can. But they don't. Yeah. Get, get the upper hand. Yeah. Outside the Glass is brought to you by SquashProShop.com, our source for equipment for badminton, racquetball, paddle tennis, and of course squash. SquashProShop.com carries a great selection of squash rackets, sneakers, goggles, and grips, balls, and bags from all the top manufacturers at the lowest prices. They offer fast and free shipping on orders over $25. In stock now are the new TechStream rackets from Prince, including the TechStream Pro Warrior 600, which is used by Rami Ashore. Also now in stock are the new Dinergy AP Series rackets from Technofiber, which are used by Miguel Angel Rodriguez, the Colombian cannibal. They carry a full line of footwear from ASIC, Adidas, Salming, and other manufacturers. For the best selection, prices, and service on the internet, visit SquashProShop.com.